This morning, I, uh, I, always, I, I, know, I, I look forward to this last Sunday of the year and uh, sharing a message. Um, it, it always feels to me like it's, you guys can go, thank you very much. I didn't make that very clear, did I? There was a, like a smooth transition there. <laughs> yeah, give them a round of applause. Really appreciate them. I'm going to embarrass Roald a little bit. Roald plays the violin. And uh, no, come rain, come shine, no matter what happens around this time of the year, you'll see Roald on stage. So we always have to find a team that will play with Roald. Otherwise, he's going to lead the violin all on his own. And uh, so this morning I said to him, we're going to find a roof and put you on it and we'll have the fiddler on the roof and uh, just have a great time. So it's just such a wonderful team that we have and thank you for your commitment. I enjoy sharing this time of the year because it's a bit of a, just a free kind of message. I'm, I'm not really building towards a specific theme or, or anything we can just, you know, so it's, I, I enjoy it. So forgive me for that, uh, just being able to just share something that that perhaps often when I come to this service is a bit more of a sort of help with life, life lessons kind of thing. So today's message is not going to be so much as a biblical exposition, but um, just talking about something that I believe is important for us. And the title of this message today is Moving Forward. Moving Forward. As we're coming to an end of a year, how many of you know that life doesn't end tonight at 12 o'clock? It's only this year that ends. But tomorrow, there's a whole new year ahead of us, and we start the countdown to Christmas all over again. Amen? I mean, it feels like you want to bottle a little bit of this time of the year just to carry with you throughout the busyness that's coming. Life is coming at us again. Whether you're ready for it or not, we have to continue to move forward. There's this wonderful scripture that is a bit of a sort of a, a call of the life of Paul where he's like this phenomenal person, and when he speaks in this way, it's like he picks us up with his example and encourages us to a, to a life that moves forward consistently. And it's this great scripture that is familiar to many of you in Philippians 3 and verse 13 and 14. He writes this, he says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what it is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. I think it's very apt that he uses the word, when he, he describes it here, he says, straining towards what is ahead. How many of you have recognized in life that to keep moving forward, it requires straining, requires effort? You don't just relax and find yourself having moved forward. No, well, not at least not in the direction that you should be going forward. To move forward towards a goal always requires straining. And Paul says here, he strains towards a specific goal. He's aware that his life has to be lived with an end in mind. He's not just living, he's living towards something. He says there's a prize, there's something I'm supposed to achieve with my life. And it requires me, if I'm gonna move towards that, if I'm gonna keep moving forward towards the goal, towards the objective for which God laid hold of me, then I'm, I'm straining for that. And so today I wanna encourage you to strain with me a bit. So this is not, let's just relax. This is, we have to keep pushing forward. Keep straining. He says further, he says, I press on towards the goal. To, to move forward towards anything is this 
it's this pressing on. This time of the year, normally when, for many of us that have a bit of a break and have holiday, part of what we enjoy is there's just a lot less straining and pressing. We just allow life to sort of happen. You know, when we go camping and we go on holiday, where we go every time of the year, when it gets to the point where I look forward to cleaning my uh, paella pan that, I used, that we used to make breakfast for, then I know I'm relaxing. Because that's my only activity for the day, is I have to clean this pan. And by the way, it's a non-stick pan, so all I do is just wipe it, and then it's clean. <laughs> so it's not like heavy effort, and then I'm like, life's moving forward. I don't have to do much, it just keeps moving forward. But for most of life, that's not what it's like. There's so much that we have to do. It requires application. Now, let's first of all just say, what is the goal? What is this thing that we are all moving towards? What is our end that we all have in mind as Christians and believers? The end that we have in mind is the ultimate glorification of God. It's that purpose for which we all live is for God's kingdom to fully be revealed, God to be known for who he really is in all his glory and majesty. And that's the purpose for which every one of us lives. I know we often say that God has a purpose for your life. I think it's more healthy to realize God has a purpose and I am part of fulfilling that purpose. Not to individualize it too much. My life fits into a bigger story. My life finds its meaning and purpose and value not in what I do, but in how I am part of a bigger story and what I contribute towards that. But that requires straining. To move forward is this difficult thing that we do. Partly it's difficult because along the way as we're living our lives, we, we have various points where we can get a bit stuck. Where we perhaps have momentum and then for some other reason, the momentum stops. Have you ever experienced that in life? In whatever goal you're pursuing, whatever thing you're doing, that it seems to be going well and then something happens and then you stall and eventually... You've lost all momentum. Like many people will make New Year's resolutions round about now. Many of them, it has something to do with physical dynamics and how much space you take up in the universe. Like I've had a way too nice December and January and there's some decisions that have to be made. I'm putting them off. Next week, we'll deal with that. But you know, how many of you know that you have a great decision and you go for it and it goes well for a while and then you begin to lose momentum and before you know it, you're stuck and you, you, you sort of need to say to yourself, it didn't work. That's life. We often get ourselves into spaces where we're trying to move forward but we lose momentum and it's into that that I would like to talk a little bit today and talk about one of the things that will help us to keep moving forward, keep moving towards the goal, pre pressing on to that which God has called us. And I wanna borrow the title of a book and actually some material from a book um, that was written by Dr. Henry Cloud and the title of the book was Necessary Endings. I don't know how many of you have read that book, Necessary Endings. And in this book he talks about how we have to become aware that part of life is developing the skill of ending things and ending them well. And I wanna say that particularly in moving forward. If you want and I want to continuously have momentum in our life where we're moving forward, we have to be able from time to time to develop the ability to 
to end certain things. Now, endings is part of life, is it not? Things end. Sometimes there's natural endings to things. Like whether you are planning for it, whether you're ready for it or not, today, this year ends. It's a natural thing that happens. You, you contribute nothing towards it. You can't stop it. You don't have to make it happen. It happens. There's natural endings to things. Then there are some, can I call it, unnatural ending to things or unnecessary endings to things. Yesterday, I was at the funeral memorial service of a dear friend of mine um, that is a fellow minister of a church in Centurion area, and uh, him and I become good friends over a period of time, and he developed cancer earlier this year in February and uh, passed away the day before Christmas. And so yesterday we went to his funeral, and I was part of people speaking to honor his life, but that to me was an unnecessary ending. I don't think his life should have ended. How many of you know there are things in life that happen that is just, we don't understand. Because we live in a fallen, broken world, there are unnecessary endings. But today I want to talk about the kind of endings, perhaps, which is the ones where we contribute a bit more more to it, and that's the necessary endings. And sometimes the endings of things that we have to bring about. When we talk about necessary endings, I, I want to reference Dr. Cloud when he talks about three types of necessary endings. Three types of endings of things that we have to be aware of because we're gonna have to play a role in this ending. The first one is a good, it's the ending of something that is good but not the best. Have you experienced in your life where sometimes you've gotten yourself into a rhythm and a pattern and it's good, but it's actually keeping you from that which is the better, that which is more forward moving momentum in your life? And those are some of the most difficult endings to bring about. When you have to end something, not because it's bad, but it's just not the right thing. It's just not good enough. There's there's that type of ending. Then there's the type of ending of some things that we have to end that are sick and won't recover in our lives. There are things that, that perhaps they were good at a stage, but they've become problematic and they've actually become sick. They become toxic. They've become difficult, and we have to end them because it's not going to change. It's not going to recover. I'll unpack these a little bit more as I go. And then the last one is there's sometimes things that we have to end because they're already dead, and they're never going to come to life. Now, this morning we prayed for God's resurrection power when it comes to things that appear to be dead. But you know there's some things where God says, I'm not going to raise that ever. It's dead. I actually killed it. And you should be thankful. It's time to let go of that. And when we talk about these things as such as necessary endings, I want to talk about it from an attitude of carefulness. To be skilled and to be learning how to do necessary endings is not a science. It's an art. It's not a formulaic process. I can't give you 10 diagnosis points today, which you can take as a template and put over anything that you're struggling with and saying, well, if, it, if, the, if the thing that's happening in my life, if it meets eight of the 10 diagnostic, diagnostic uh, ex, you know, events of this diagnostic tool, then that thing must come to an end. Sometimes in our lives, there are things that meet all the requirements of something that looks like it's got to end, but yet God says we must still trust him 
because he's not wanting to end it. And sometimes there are things that look like it meets none of the requirements, and God says it must end. Because this is not a science. I think you'll agree with me. It's an art. So I think generally people that are becoming better with how to end things so that they can keep moving forward are people that are, not, that are careful rather than radical. There are times in our lives where it requires radical activity to end something. Like if you've neglected, let's think in gardening terms for instance, if you've neglected your garden for a long period of time or let's buy, say you buy a new property and this property is completely overgrown, it's like it's wild. God has become the gardener and he's just done what he wants to do. And now he's saying to you, you need to step in like you did with Adam and Eve and you need to cultivate this. There's a time to be radical because then you can't move in with your little small lawnmower, electric mower. You have to come and get one of those weed whacker things and a couple of pongas and you have to beat the bush into submission. That's time to be radical. But most of life doesn't require that. It requires more careful attention to when things should end. So I'm not wanting to encourage a cavalier attitude about ending things today. I want to encourage a careful, discerning, wise attitude. A slow, meticulous, perhaps, approach to saying, Lord, help me end things well. Help me become skilled as a person that throughout my life I will know how to end things so that I can keep moving forward. Perhaps it's better to become a pruner than to become an eradicator. There's times when we have to eradicate, but most of the time, I think they call it a secateur, is that the right word for those little pruning shears that you get? It's like a little sharp pointed little scissor thing that gardeners use to do the fine pruning. That's what I want to encourage with you today, is to say, how can the Lord teach us to discern with him when there are things in our lives that have to end. You see, all of your resources are precious. Your time, your energy, your attention, your money, it's precious. And you never have an infinite amount of it. Your life is the product of that which we, to which you direct your resources, your limited resources, your Resources that you can't do anything you want to with. You always got to work with a budget, whether that's a budget of your time, a budget of your money, a budget of your energy. You have to decide. If I want something in my life to move forward and develop, I'm going to have to budget resources towards that thing. Otherwise, it will not move forward by itself. So if there's a relationship that I want to grow in my life, I have to budget resources towards that relationship. And how many of you know that you can only sustain so many relationships at a time? You can't have 100 relationships that you equally resource. It's just not possible. No human being can do that. Unless you resource them really badly and give all of them almost nothing. And then you're not really having relationships. But if you really want to move forward in something, you have to allocate resources to it. And therein lies the art because life changes. How many of you have realized that your life does not stay the same? It keeps changing. You keep having to redirect your resources. 
For a period of time, you were resourcing this thing in your life and it was good. And then suddenly something changes. Now you have to say, but now this also needs resources. And, and I, I, so I have to take a little bit away from this and give to this now. And as I do this, this begins to grow. But then that begins to feel like it's not going so well anymore. And that's life. If you're praying that God will just keep on adding to you, you're probably not praying the right prayer. Growing is not just getting more, it's being able to redirect time, attention, energy, resources into the right things at the right season, at the right time. And that's what I would like to encourage today. Sometimes there are things going on in our lives, but we have to begin to consider, is this thing still what it's supposed to be? And we have to consider changing, perhaps sometimes even ending something. Now, what helps us, first of all, to be able to do that is if we understand that ending things is a part of life. It's normal. Ending things is what happens. If you're a business person, if you have a business, you'll know that you have to, from time to time, end some things. You can't just keep adding. It's normal. It's a part of life. It's nothing wrong with you necessarily because something has to end. Even when it's a good thing, if you have to end it, it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. A, a while ago, I spoke a message about seasons. How many of you remember that? About the internal and external realities, about what a winter season, what a spring, what an autumn. Now, if you, if you adopt that view of life that says there are seasons to life, it helps you to normalize the idea of endings. Because every season has its key activities. Remember I put out before you, what is the key activity? What is the key scripture for every season? The reality is I cannot resource winter and summer at the same time. I just don't have enough. But if I adopt a view of seasonal thinking of life and recognizing the movements of the spirit in my life, then I can begin to understand that it's normal that certain things come to an end. I still have to learn the art of doing it well and being careful with it, but I don't have to always feel bad. Endings are a part of life. Secondly, I need to understand if I'm going to be a person that learns to embrace endings and do endings well, is that more is not always better. In nature, why do we need as gardeners to prune trees? Because overgrowth is natural. What happens, for instance, uh, Dr. Henry Cloud talks about this in his book. He says, rosebuds, for instance, have the propensity, they generally create more rose flowers than any bush can sustain. And that ultimately is the thing that makes them become weak, is they create too many flowers. Fruit trees do the same. They create too many fruits. And if you don't help them prune, then energy gets wasted or lost, and it's not maximized. The limited resources is spread too thin, and you end up with no good harvest or no really good flowers. But what the person does that prunes is they make sure that there's enough resources to sustain the good and proper and quality development. But now, if we don't learn the skill of good endings in our lives, what happens is we'll enter overgrowth. We begin to just grow. 
And before you know it, you've got so many things going on in your life and you start feeling like you're being stretched and, and like you've got so many plates spinning and you can't handle it all. And then we pray and we say, Lord, give me more energy. How can I get more done with less sleep? And we think we're gonna just manage it all. Sometimes it's just to say, okay, which plate must now stop spinning? Which plate must I carefully put down? Hopefully you don't get to the place where the plates just crash. But where you can recognize the seasons and go, that plate has been spinning and thank God for it, but it's time to put that plate down for a while because I need to keep this plate going. I can't do it all at the same time. And if I don't recognize that more is not always better, then I, I think I just have to keep more going. As a church, for instance, we've been through a season where we've had to recognize that there's certain plates that we've had to either put down and get them to rest, or we've had to move them off somewhere else or give them life somewhere else, but we've had to discern because our resources are limited. And in COVID time, resources generally were affected, whether that's the resources of people's energy, time, money, everything was less. They'll tell you across the world right now, one of the challenge church leaders face is to, is to get everything done with less. It's the general experience post-COVID. So we've went through a time where we had to evaluate and say, more is not always better. What are the things that are not the right place where our resources needs to be spent right now so that we can do the things that we are called to do. How many of you know that every time you say yes to something means you say no to something else? That's life. You can't just keep adding. You can't just, I'm not speaking to my wife right now, Natasha's sitting here in the front row. You can't just put another Wendy house on the property and just fill that with more things. She, she's an artistic kind of person, so she likes gathering things because you can make stuff with it. She doesn't have enough time and life available. Now I am preaching towards her. Excuse me, just while I'm using this opportunity. And, uh, you know, so check me if, I'm, if, I, if you see me later in the week again, otherwise I might be dead. <laughs> you can't just add more. Amen? How many of you are cleaning house right now? or as at least planning to clean house right now? Let me ask that question. How many of you got plans to clean out some cupboards because overgrowth happened? Stuff just happens and you go, where did this come from? I don't need all of this anymore. It's part of life. We also have to accept not only that endings are part of life and that more is not always better, but unfortunately we also have to come to terms with the reality that things do become sick. Because we live in a world that is broken, things become dysfunctional. Good things go bad. Even things that was a huge blessing in my life, hugely helpful, a necessity in one season can become a problem in the next season. Have you seen that happen in your life? Things become sick. Good things can become toxic. And so often our challenge is we've become so dependent on these things in the good season that we can't let go of it when it's actually become toxic for us. And those are the things that we have to understand. Now, often, or a big part of necessary endings, unfortunately, has to do with relationships. Understanding relationships. Now, I'm a, 
I consider myself to be, and I hope people, other people that know me well will say this about me also, I'm a relational person. I value relationships. For me, it's probably the thing that weighs the heaviest on my mind in any decisions I have to make is relationships. I think we have to be careful with relationships. But t- so I don't want to develop any cavalier attitude. I'd, and it's particularly in the area of relationships that I don't think you should be revolutionary when you're making changes and ending things. It should be a little bit more careful because I think sometimes we end relationships but because I have a problem and I'm frustrated and I'm not wanting to work on something in my life, I end the relationship which has actually been a blessing to God, to help, from God to help me deal with something in my own life. So I'm, I want to be careful with relationships, but we do have to recognize that there are times when relationships are, become problematic, that good relationships can become bad relationships. And we have to say, Lord, how do I bring things to an end? Again, when it comes to relationships particularly, we don't want to just drop them. We want to carefully nurture and put them in the right place. Um, I have a Gmail address, which I suppose most of us do, and I use my Gmail address, uh, email address for things that when I have to sign up for some, something somewhere and I don't, you know, don't want it too close to me or, you know, those, those things that you have to do, then I use my Gmail address. So every now and then I go and check through my Gmail because it's like clutter, to use a nice word. It's just a lot of nonsense that gets emailed into that Gmail address, but it's not the email address I work on every day. Every now and then I'll go and look. So recently I looked at my Gmail address and was just sort of scanning some of the latest things and what's in there, and I saw this email from some site where the, the title of the email was this. My husband caught me, caught, my husband found my Tinder profile and now wants to divorce me. Do you know what a Tinder profile is? In other words, this is a person that's married but they're looking for dates on the side with other people. And so the email said, my husband found my Tinder profile, now wants to divorce me, what must I do? I didn't read the email, I just saw the heading. When you read that heading, what's the response in your heart? What do you go? Why do you have a Tinder profile in the first place if you're married? Exactly, that's what you should do, I can understand. Marriages, for instance, are complicated relationships. But can I tell you, I don't think it's God's heart for me to find a necessary ending to my marriage. Sometimes marriages end, and I would put it more in the category of unnecessary endings. Now, we've fallen people, we've broken people. I don't say that from a judgmental place. I just think many relationships end because I neglect them. Sometimes marriages get into trouble, and people, because they've neglected. Then it's not about how do I end this thing well, it's about how do I give it life again. Are you okay with that? I'm covering my bases right now, so please, just give me some space. Because some people will take a message like this and then they'll go home and say to their wife, the pastor said I have to leave you because you are a toxic relationship in my life. If your spouse says that to you, you can tell them right now the pastor did not say that. Amen? Are you sure? Are you planning to say that to your spouse? Then stop it. Don't do that. But endings are some things we have to consider from time to time. Now sometimes... Not always, sometimes, it's necessary to consider an ending if something in our life is beginning to give pain to us. Now, not always. What I'm saying to you now is, if you find an area of your life, whether it's a relationship, whether that's something you're spending your time, your energy, your resources on, 
is beginning to give you pain, it might be the point to start thinking, is this something that I must consider to end? I'm not saying it is something that must end. Often it's not. But just asking the question is recognizing that there's a problem and something needs to be addressed. It's the point of saying, if it offers me pain consistently, is this still a good thing in my life? Now, sometimes it might be. So please, this is why I'm, I'm saying this is an art, it's not a science. I am not telling you the formula is this. If it gives you pain, end it. How many of you know that, that is, cannot be right? Because often good things in your life give you pain. Amen? Surgery? Gym? Okay, we shan't go further. Sometimes we consider endings because things are no longer moving forward. There's no or little movement. Again, if there's no or little movement in an area of my life, doesn't mean I have to end it, but it might be appropriate to ask the question, is this thing still? Because if I don't, my concern is if we don't ask those questions from time to time, we're going to lose forward momentum. We'll get stuck. We'll get caught in a space where we're entangled. In, and life has overgrown, life has become so complicated, like I've got so many things that I'm responsible for, and I can't move forward, I'm stuck. So I have to, at some point, be able to go, now, when should I ask the question about where something should end? Now, when I look at it, and I begin to pray about it, and I, and I investigate, and have perhaps help from somebody, I look at a situation, and it's painful, or it doesn't move forward anymore, I may come to the realization that no, I must not end this thing. It's actually important. I must give more energy to it. But I wouldn't have gotten to that conclusion if I didn't ask the question in the first place. So ask this question regularly. So if I've come to terms with the fact that necessary endings is a very important part of moving forward in life, let's now enter into the process about how do we end things. I think when we want to end something, when we've recognized, and you know, in our discipleship process, we use the circle of life, the circle of change, the Kairos moment, and, and that's a very good tool to use in a space like this. When I've come to the conclusion that something needs to change so that I can move forward, I think the first thing we do is to say, now, what is stopping me from changing? What is stopping me from ending this thing? What are the obstacles that are in my way that keeps me from ending this. Often that is, what am I afraid of? If I end this, what am I afraid I'm going to lose? And I need to come to terms with that. In our circle, that's the observe, reflect, discuss part of it, is why am I continuing with this thing in my life that is actually keeping me from moving forward? And if I observe, reflect, discuss, look at it, think about it, perhaps talk about it with trusted uh, people around me that can help me, I may come to terms with understanding why I can't move forward in this. And that's often the, one of the most important self-revelations that can happen is, why am I stuck? Why am I afraid? What am I concerned about? What, what am I doubting? And that's keeping me stuck. So what is stopping the change? The second thing I want to do is then to begin to say, okay, I now realize what is difficult for me, why I want to keep this, but I know I need to change, and now I need to start turning towards the new. In most things in life, to end something is not a once decision. There are things that you end in a one decision. 
There are things that you should end in a one decision. You know, if you've been abusing something, end it with, a, with one decision, which will require a million other decisions to follow. But most things in life change slowly because I begin to turn towards the new. Most things in life, when I decide I have to end something to begin something new, and I make that decision, the, the old thing doesn't stop. It still continues. I still have the fear. I still have the concern. I still have the habit. I still have the everything. And now slowly I have to begin to turn myself and say, I'm going to give less and less resources to this old, and I'm going to re reallocate my time, my energy, my thinking, my imagination, my everything to this new. And slowly what happens is this thing dies for lack of attention, and this thing grows because I'm resourcing it. That's how life works. But if I don't begin to turn, I think I can't change because I'm still actually just focused on this thing. And that's why I have to understand some of the inner difficulties. But I begin to turn to the new. Now, turning to the new brings its own pain. Remember I just said, one of the reasons you may want to consider something may need to come to an end is because it's producing pain in your life. The problem is the new thing will also bring you pain. How many of you know that it's painful to do, begin to learn something new? If you just want to learn a new language, it's painful. There's pain associated with it. Not only the pain of discipline and time, but the pain of embarrassment. I'm trying to learn a bit to speak Sutu better. And then I have to deal with my embarrassment of getting it so horribly wrong most of the time. If I can't overcome my embarrassment, then I will never learn something new. So I have to deal with some new pain. And that's a silly example. There's other things that are far more painful. So just because something brings pain doesn't mean you need to change it and stop it, but it is one of the things we consider. But when we're moving towards something new, there's new pain that comes. There's also new loss of momentum. Because sometimes what is some of the most difficult things to end something is, particularly if it was a good thing, is it was a good thing. You looked good while you were doing it. You were on top of your game. People respected you. People honored you because you were good at it. And now the Lord says, but that needs to end and want to do a new thing. Now you have to stop that which gave you respect and become good at something that you don't know what you don't know and, you, and you're terrible at it. And suddenly people are looking at you and going, what's wrong with you? They don't get you so much respect anymore because you're not operating, resourcing that which is good. You're beginning to do something new. And that's challenging, but you have to turn to the new. Turn to that which is the next, as Paul says, that God has taken hold of me. Now, if you've developed a worldview where endings are, is normal and a seasonal approach to life, it helps in this time to do this. Because other people may not know what's going on, but you know, okay, this is life. There's nothing wrong with me necessarily. I may not have even made any mistakes, but I have to do this. I have to end some things. When I'm in this phase of having to begin to end something and to begin something new, one of the things that is important that I think we so often get wrong is to not waste energy on being angry with the old thing. And not spending too much energy on complaining about everything that, is not, that was wrong with what you used to have and used to experience. Because if you do that, if you're spending your energy complaining, 
Let's say, for instance, you've become aware the Lord speaks to you and the Lord saying to you, I need you to change your job. You're working for company X, I, need you, I, I want you to find another job. Interesting thing always happens as I've observed people, that when this happens, when, when they start realizing this season of me working at this particular place needs to come to an end, suddenly their heart begins to change towards the place they always loved and they begin to find fault with everything where they used to work. Have you seen that happen? Have you recognized that? And, and then they start giving energy into fault finding. The problem is the moment you start doing that, you're taking energy, remember you don't have unlimited resources of energy and focus and, and, and time and money, so now you're spending your resources on complaining about what you don't want to have anymore, and those resources are actually supposed to help you develop in the new space. Now when you come to having to learn the new disciplines that are painful and slow, you're tired because you've spent all your energy here fighting the old. Don't do that. Actually, what is the better way perhaps to do it is to celebrate what is good in the old so that you make sure you take the good with you and that you even that which is not good in the old, use it to strengthen you in the new. What I mean, for instance, is sometimes if something comes to an end in our lives and it slows down and painful because it doesn't, it's not resourced anymore. As a Christian, one of the things we have to recognize in life is where is God giving his favor to something in our life? Because where God's favor is on something, on a relationship or a, an, an endeavor, a project, uh, anything we're doing, where God's favor is there, it becomes possible. I may still have to work hard, but I can sense God's grace in that. But then there's times where God's grace withdraws from a place, and now I recognize I need to withdraw from this thing. But now there's scarcity. I don't fight and complain about the scarcity. I actually use the scarcity. I celebrate the scarcity. Because you know what that does? It helps me become more creative. I, I don't have enough to keep this going. Lord, help me become more creative. And so that when I'm growing and turning into the new, I'm moving into that with new life, energy, and strength, not from a place of frustration. And I think, for instance, that's the problem many people do in relationships. We, we have a relationship with somebody and we get frustrated with them. And then we end the relationship on a really bad point because we're frustrated. We've not addressed things properly. We've not done the good disciplines and we've not processed things well. So now we end the relationship and it's all bad. And then I think I'm going to move into something new and it's going to be wonderful. Instead of saying... How do I end this in the best way possible so that it positions me better for the new that I have, for the place that I go to? It's been, Natasha, and my, our practice to understanding that whenever a change is coming in our life, for instance, in employment, that we always honor and respect and thankful and value where we've come from so that we carry the positive seed into where we're going instead of the negative stuff. And that has always helped us and served us well. Carry the good with you. So, if I want to bring something to an end, I must recognize what is stopping me from ending it. When I've recognized that, how do I turn away from that towards the new? And then the third part of the process is now mastering the new, becoming good at the new. Applying myself. Now I begin to pour my time, energy, resources into the new thing that God has for me and so that I can grow in that. I have to become comfortable with being a noob as the young people speak about it. You know what a noob is? A newbie. 
a amateur, a rookie, perhaps is the language that we, our, our generation used. I have to become comfortable with, I don't know what I don't know, so that I can learn and master the new. But as I'm growing and mastering the new thing, I always have a clarity in my mind and a sensibility to know that life is seasonal. Even this new thing is not the ultimate answer. It is another step towards the ultimate answer. Because sometimes people are like, I mean, I, I, I just enjoy it when I see people there. Like, this is the worst. This sucks terribly. This job I had, is, and now I'm going to a new job. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be the best job in the world. It's going to have no problems whatsoever. I'm like, okay, see you in six months. Then this will have the same problems as the old one had. Because that's life. But if I understand these movings, I can move along with it better. So, as I begin to wrap this up, I say begin to wrap this up. You understand what that means. It takes a while. I want to encourage you. As we're standing here at the end of 2023, perhaps over the next couple of days, next couple of weeks, or however your life and rhythms and time schedules work, is to say, Lord, are there things that I need to lay down and end so that I can take the next steps into what you have for me in 2024? Because 2024 is coming, whether you're ready for it or not. Whether you're going to maximize 2024, that's a different question. Whether 2024 is going to have the most forward momentum in your life, that's a different question. Now, I don't know what 2024 holds. You don't know what 2024 holds. I can't promise you that everything in your life is going to be wonderful. Everything's going to work out. Everything's going to be easy. That's just not realistic. But what is realistic is we can position ourselves to be ready in a way that we can say, I've let go of some of the baggage. I'm not running with last year's baggage into this year. Now I'm adding this year's responsibilities on top of last year's, and I think I'm going to do better. Somewhere along the line, you have to stop and think, am I being stupid? What are the things that needs to end? Left. If you need to have a burial service, have a burial service. If you need to cry, cry. If you need to mourn, mourn. If you have to feel sorry for yourself, do it for a little while. Not too long. You can invite yourself to a pity party, have red cold drink, and cry. And move on. That's okay. But then say, this is ending and I'm sad that it's ending. That's 100% fine. But the reason it's ending is so that I can move forward into the new. I'm not ending things just to end things. Please, don't use this message as an excuse, not just to end marriages, but just to get out of responsibilities. That's not what this is about. That's why I say you have to carefully and with artfully consider with the Lord, but recognize I cannot just keep adding things. What do I need to leave behind? So husbands, if any wife comes to you and says, the Lord said to me, you are 2023. I have to leave you behind. <laughs> Phone your pastor and let them help you. Or wives the same way around, please. You are so 2023. I'm ready for something new in 2024. No. Can you hear all my anxieties and fears? Because so often I come off the, off the pulpit and people say, oh, it so blessed me when you said that. And I go, I never said that. <laughs> if I did, I was wrong. Please, forgive me if I said that. We want to move forward. As Paul says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. 
The reality is there's not a person in this room or a person online that can say, I have arrived. I don't have anything that has to end. If Paul says, I have not arrived, then I think you and I should go, I have not arrived. Well, at least me. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, not living for the past always. That doesn't mean dishonoring the past, regretting the past, rejecting the past. That just means I'm not going to live towards the past. I'm living towards the, the plan that God has for me. And I take the good from the past. I learn. I honor. I respect. I value the past. But it doesn't determine ultimately. It doesn't hold me captive. Certain things need to end. And so that I constrain to, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. As I end, remember where I started and I said there are three things in life that needs to possibly end sometimes, that you need to play it hand in ending. The good things, but that are not the best. The second are the, th the things that are sick and won't recover. The problem is if you keep the things in your life that are sick and won't recover, they take away energy from the things that you need to grow the new thing in your life. When a plant has developed a sick part of it, that sick part of that plant or of your body requires more energy than the rest of your body because it's sick. So it's consuming. And if you keep that thing alive beyond the point where, now it's sometimes I have a sick thing that God says you need to carry that thing because you're gonna make it healthy and you need to give resources and time and energy to it and spend time on it, then it's right. But if it's just something I'm dragging along because of fear and nostalgia and whatever, I must realize that the energy that I need to actually grow the new is all being sucked up by this sick thing. I'm not going to move forward. If something is already dead and it cannot be resurrected to life, then I must realize it takes up space that the new now doesn't have space to grow into. You know, when a plant grows, it needs space to grow into. It needs space where the sun can shine on it. If, it does, if it's closed under a closed canopy and you don't open up the canopy every now and then, the plants underneath can't grow because they've got no space to grow into. They've got no sunlight. So if we just keep the dead things around, then the new things can't grow. So sometimes we have to cut the old dead things away. Then there's sunlight. Then suddenly the new begins to grow. It's amazing to me how people go, there's nothing new happening in my life. And I'm, I'm like, but you've just got all dead things around. You're not making space for new things. You make the space, then they will come. But it's wisdom that we require in this. So, as this year is coming to an end for you, what is the thing that perhaps the Lord is saying to you, or things that the Lord is saying you and I need to begin to talk and find a process and a journey about how this needs to come to an end. What is the fear in your life for this year coming? If you, if you can answer that question, what do you fear about this year? From there, you will actually probably find some of the things that you'll need to begin to bring to a close. Because so often the Lord begins to speak, but it evokes fear in us. Because, Lord, I can't change that. I can't give up on that. I'm afraid. But we have to come to terms with that. So won't you stand with me? I'm going to pray a prayer and then send you off to go and pray and ask the Lord to lead you in this. And don't blame me if you make stupid mistakes. Okay? T's and C's apply to any message like this. 
I'm not the Holy Spirit in your life. You have the Holy Spirit. You need to process and you need to be responsible and you need to have good people around you and leaders and as much resources as you can to make good decisions. But it's your responsibility at the end of the day. Amen? Nobody can do it for me. Nobody can do it for you. Lord Jesus, we come before you today in humility. Recognizing, Lord, that we need your wisdom. But we're so thankful your word says, if you need wisdom, ask. And if you do not doubt, he will give it to you. So we come to you and we ask for wisdom. You know every life in this room, those that are online, you know the things that are keeping people from moving forward. And so I pray today that over these next couple of days, weeks, as it works for people, that your spirit will begin to speak to us. Help us see where there may be some necessary endings in our lives. Help us recognize and see the things that needs to be pruned, that are taking up unnecessary energy that we don't have and taking up space that we can't afford for it to take up because it's keeping us from moving forward. Help us, Lord, not to be radical people in this regard, but to be careful. Radical in our obedience, but careful in our application. And I trust you for that, Holy Spirit, for every person's life. We breathe new life into that which looks dead, but it's not supposed to be dead. But we pray for wisdom to end that which needs to be ended. And I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May 2024 be an amazing year for all of us together and for you as an individual, for your family, as of a year of moving forward towards that which God has called us, which is his glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Be blessed.